everyone, it's your host, Julia Raymond Hare, and I am super excited to welcome you to this new series. If you are new to the show, I host a weekly episode called The Retail Rundown covering the hottest news topics that week with two industry guests. And we also regularly publish one-to-one interviews with leaders in retail. But this series is a special dive into a specific segment of retail, and our team has worked a lot of late nights to bring this to you. It's a four-part forward-looking series called Rethink Retail Luxury. We cover the luxury consumer and the companies serving them. And I'd like to set the stage by first mentioning that there's no questioning the retail landscape has been thrown for a wild ride since the onset of the pandemic and from the initial mandated store closings to lingering reductions in consumer discretionary spending and the rise of digitized shopping, many of us are left curious about what the state of luxury will look like once consumers can return to shopping without worry or restriction. For luxury, COVID-19 has impacted the sector twofold. At the onset of the pandemic, mandated store closures hit luxury stores as well as their wholesale partners. And after the mandate was lifted, the luxury industry went through a second wave of channel impact after several major department stores filed for bankruptcy. But as the world continues to turn, many major brands are finding their stride as they refocus their efforts on not what was or what could have been, but instead taking the time to consider the path forward right now. Over the next four episodes, we will explore industry-defining trends within the luxury category as we chat with consultants, academics, and retail executives from some of the most prestigious brands. The first episode you're listening to right now covers modern luxury, a little broadly speaking, and the next episodes will dive into luxury insights driven by China, sustainability, technology, and more. This luxury series is made possible by our sponsor, Valtech. Valtech is a global agency serving the world's leading luxury brands in digital and retail, including perhaps the most prestigious Louis Vuitton. As a precursor to this series, Valtech published its paper called Luxury Meets the Modern Era, Insights for 2021 and Beyond. This paper was written by four experts who work closely with Valtech's globally renowned luxury clients, and if you're in retail, especially luxury, this is for you. I loved reading about the newest research on how consumers are reacting to contactless interactions in retail settings. It's pretty interesting because it's super relevant and the data is exclusive and from Valtech's primary research study. And I added the link to the paper on our site, rethink.industries. That's rethink.industries. Or if it's easier for you to remember, rethinkretail.org. That will take you there as well. You'll find a banner on the homepage linking out to the luxury paper. You could also find the link in our resources section of the website. So without further ado, let's find out who you will hear from on today's episode. You'll hear from three luxury retail executives from Ulysse Nardan, Lueve, and Giorgio Armani. They reflect on today's modern luxury market. 
Let's begin. Hi, Wissing Retail. My name is FX Otier. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. I am the president of Ulysse Narda Americas. Thanks so much for joining us today, FX. Let's kick off the show by defining what it is to be a luxury brand in today's changing world. Oh, that's a great question. Even if brick and mortar remains extremely important for the luxury industry as a meeting place, as a laboratory of ideas, e-commerce and shopping online is the big trend. And with COVID crisis, of course, it has been accelerated. The other trend, I would say, would be the concentration of the customers buying this gigantic luxury brands like Gucci, Dior, Chanel. Having said that, I see an opportunity for small niche brands addressing specific needs to disrupt this concentration and create new categories. I don't want to be naive here, but I want to believe that one of the trends in luxury would be also the human side of luxury. I don't want luxury to be simply a symbol of wealth, even of arrogance, of glitter and gold. I think luxury can enter into each category as long as it's trend-setting, handcrafting with product you would have not expected as being part of luxury. Wonderful. And you talked a little bit about beautiful handcrafted product. So let's dive into Ulysse Nardan and ask about how would you describe your product, brand, customer? I mean, what is the essence? So our customers are, if not collectors, they have already a few beautiful timepieces. Also, our customers share our values of exploration, of innovation. We call ourselves the manufacturer of freedom, and I think that's what we are. So in terms of fashion, in terms of creativity, in terms of having fun, because you work with a younger customer who wants, it really helps you aim to be like more creative and more disruptive. For example, right now, in some specific doors in the USA, we are matching, in fact, a watch collection with a surfboard. So our partners in San Diego who are producing tailor-made surfboards for disabled veterans have been producing some surfboards for us. And in some doors in the USA, when you buy a specific watch, we offer you a surfboard. And it's a way for us to raise money because we buy these surfboards and we give all the money to this nonprofit based in San Diego. I love how Elise Nardon is working with surfboards and companies. And I think it also comes back to what you said about disrupting and maybe creating new categories or working with new categories. I'd like to just shift real quick to stores. If you didn't hear about it, Ulysse Najan operates several boutiques around the world and they opened their Geneva flagship just last year. So can you describe a little bit about what your stores are like? In terms of design, in terms of concept, we are mixing elements like uh, natural elements like stones, like uh, the mountains of Switzerland, where we are from, and also elements coming from the sea with a blue color. So you enter into a temple of stone, granite and uh, blue and sea. So it's pretty beautiful. And these boutiques we have are here, like our website, to bring the experience to shoppers. Would you say at all that the pandemic has accelerated digitization efforts for Elise Nudan? Yes. I mean, you can't be today uh, without an e-commerce. I believe we are in the edge of the mobile phone, you know. So we opened our e-commerce in June. We also are very digital friendly in some other topics that you may not see. For example, we use a blockchain to secure all data regarding uh, customer information and the warranties. We are also very active in social media and in digital advertising. So 
I would say that the trends before COVID has been accelerated with COVID. And here again, digital allows you to communicate in a very different way than before when we were using only paper print and also to target customers and also to be fast in responding to situations. For example, in March in the USA, we launched a campaign like hashtag stay home to wish our customers to stay safe. I think again that COVID has made the world smaller thanks to digital, smaller mm -hmm. and faster maybe. You just heard from Francois-Xavier Auger, or FX, as his friends call him. He is the president of Ulysse Nardin. FX highlighted how the pandemic has accelerated the luxury watchmaker's digitization efforts. Another interesting point he brought up was the changing luxury consumer, particularly young luxury shoppers from the Gen Z and millennial generations. Our next guest hails from a notable Spanish luxury house specializing in leather goods. Hi, Eleanor. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Hello, my name is Eleanor Noble. I currently work for Loewe, where I am running retail excellence and retail operations. It's great to have you on the show, Eleanor. Let's dive into fashion and streetwear. They're merging. They've been merging for a while. And there are some really well-known trendsetters like Virgil Abloh, who is admired in this space. And I'd like to ask you if you think this is just a trend or does it indicate something deeper about society and where fashion is headed as an industry? It's a good question. I think everything is cyclical. It's kind of like, I mean, I went to work wearing sneakers recently. And when I was leaving the house, I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, because I remember <laughs> the days when you had to wear heels. When you worked in fashion, you were going to work, like you really should be wearing heels. And there's a part of me that is like, oh, grateful that we don't need to do that anymore because my feet hurt. But at the same time, I look at this like a trend. Just as much as, you know, wearing Uggs five years ago was seemed okay, and now, or 10 years ago, or, oh my God, 20 years ago at this point, <laughs> it was okay at the time. And now if you do it, it's just like, oh God, you know? So everything. And it's the same, I mean, with like half of the sneakers that have been popular over the last couple of years. I remember the first time that I saw the Louis Vuitton sneakers and I was just like, you're kidding me. I would never. And now when I see people wearing them on the street, I'm like, ooh, looking good. I love that take because it truly speaks to the cyclical nature of fashion trends. As trending in retail is the rise of e-commerce, which luxury brands have been notoriously slow to adopt. And when they do adopt, they tend to lose their identity. Eleanor, can you provide your insight here? Why do you think luxury brands look so similar online when they don't whatsoever in person? So I think that we're also going through a transition now, but I think that the original reason for that was because of skill sets, that the creative people in the company who were making the decisions around, you know, the real touch and feel of a brand either weren't equipped to deal with digital mediums or weren't used to it, weren't trained on it, weren't thinking in that way. And the only people that were, were agencies. They were developers who had done it before, who could come and help you do the same. And still a lot of the websites were still being managed externally by third parties. I think now though, and at least what I'm starting to see around the industry is that there is a new skill set coming in. You do have people who sit at the crossroads of tech and luxury, who get both worlds, who can understand the restrictions and the possibilities of tech and e-commerce, et cetera. And they know how to speak to engineers 
And they also are dressed to the nine and were born and raised in this industry. So I do think that there is room and I hope that there will also be evolution of how each brand manages the topic. But I do have a lot of thought and hope that this is what's going to come next. That's great. And what advice would you give a luxury retailer when they're trying to determine the right balance? You touched on this earlier between exclusivity of traditional luxury and the accessibility that e-commerce brings. Very good question. My first advice would be to have a session internally where you could be super honest with yourself as to who you are as a brand, what you represent, look at your values, understand what really drives you, what gets people kind of excited about the brand, and also who you want to be. And then I would spend the time trying to understand the mentality of the people who are your most loyal customers. My reason for that is because I think when people can feel a connection with the brand, it can be in many different ways. And I think that it's always interesting to get their input and give them the respect of understanding what it is that keeps them loyal. And then, of course, you have to you know, do a bit of research and have an opinion on what you think the future is going to look like. I would say, though, my piece of advice would also be that once you kind of have you know, these three pockets of information, so an understanding of who you are, your values, an understanding of your loyal customers and you know, who they are and what they need and what they love about you, and then also where the world is going and where you want to be going, this is the world of FOMO. And everyone is copy pasting and doing what they think they should be doing. And I think that that goes back to what we were just speaking about, which is doing it differently and doing it in the way that works for you. So I think that it's kind of like doing a little therapy session internally and then looking to the future, understanding the points where you need to be agile. And then more importantly, kind of choosing an opinion about the next few steps that you want to make and really focus and do them and do them well. We just heard from Eleanor Noble, Global Head of Retail Excellence and Operations at Lueve. Eleanor wrapped our conversation by pointing out the significance of why, in 2020 and beyond, luxury brands have to understand their most loyal customers. Here to dive into this topic a bit further is Fabiola Velarde, Senior Director of the Americas for Giorgio Armani. My name is Fabiola Velarde. I'm a senior director of Emporia Armani Retail in Americas. Fabiola, let's begin by chatting a little bit about COVID. I mean, it's somewhat behind us. We're still feeling the effects, at least in North America. So what are some of the maybe COVID-accelerated trends that you're seeing impacting luxury? Well, it has been many since we all went through the lockdown. It was like a so shocking moment. And as we've been saying, unprecedented. And we saw how a brand and how our product start behaving different, you know, in different channels, uh, in different areas. So I would like to say for me is that brand culture, the brand culture was exposed first time, not only into the internal clients, but to the external clients. And, and our clients start seeing what the brands were about and what they were doing. So that was very interesting to see that behavior. I also will say how the brands were in the more, we realized the penetration that we had international versus local markets. So probably there were markets here, for example, in the United States that we depend 
80% on a tourism, international tourism. And so it was about like how we're going to make the brand work. Immediately, we have to focus in our local market. Other one would be inventory, our inventory and our product in the different channels. The inventory that we own in our own doors and then inventory and our product in other channels like, for example, department stores. So how we are going to be distributing that and how we're going to be connecting with the customers, trying not to depend as much as we did in the past through a third party. For sure, digital. Think digital. It was it's a subject that we've been talking about, and you know, digital versus brick and mortar, and, and all that part of the e-commerce. But all of a sudden, we have to reinvent and we have to accelerate. Probably projects that we were expecting to develop in a year or more, or we've been talking about it a year ago. So we have to start developing a practice and integrate the virtual portion of it or the digital portion of it and the space, the actual space, the box, the brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the experience. We know that luxury is all about experience, but how that experience, like the meaning of experiential, you know, is not only about being in the store and create just a moment. So how that experience is going to be truly aligned through all the channels and the client is going to connect with the brand 24-7. Mm-hmm. Really embedding it into their life. You mentioned three really great things, Fabiola. You said that the COVID acceleration of trends has been around brand culture. It's been around understanding your international versus local markets because you did mention the reliance on tourism that had decreased. And then also inventory management and how all of those things relate to digital. When we talk about digital, what do you think is the right balance when you're relying a lot on organic human connection and luxury to make those emotional purchases? How do you balance that? Well, first, the experience and the human touch is what is going to be the difference now between a mass or a more contemporary or mass production brand and a luxury brand. Because from six months, let's say, to now, now even luxury is looking into be more exposure in the e-commerce. So to make the difference, we have to be capable to continue working with the human touch. It's very, very important. So how we are going to be connecting that? So finding a different venues about like even the client goes online and try to find a product, the service, how we're going to be connecting, you know, uh, that response. That is not, it has to be something very important that the client is still feeling that there's the human part is not just a robot behind or is not an automatic answer or is not someone like on the other side of the world responding a question that a client has. What we are looking internally is how we're going to be connecting the service with a client advisor in one of our stores that the client can have either just an answer or that the client has a full view in that moment of a store. So almost like localized service. You said the online experience, if they're connecting with someone from your brand, it should be someone that is somewhat local and not on the other side of the world. Yeah, local, but also personalized. I think the client has, in order that we can continue giving that experience, that luxury, you know, it's uh, proud of, we have to personalize that service. The digital and the physical has to 
Actually, we, we are uh, working in this word, digital. <laughs> digital, right? Yep. Digital. It's important that the client have uh, pick and choose if they want to go and have, you know, a very quick interaction with the brand, with the product, something that they maybe they already try on and they just want to finalize the, the purchase, or if it's something about more the experiential part. So we have to be capable that's the way that I that I think that it will be the alignment of what it's online and what is the stores and the importance of the stores has to continue. You know, is the personalization of the service and the personalization of the experience and uh, the connection with the client, and that is what is going to make the difference of being luxury and being a you know a mass brand. That's great, Fabiola. And you mentioned the merging of physical and digital with that crazy term we keep hearing, which is fidgetal. And that's been important during this year. And as you look into next year, do you think there's going to be any long lasting impacts in the way Armani engages with its customers because of this? I mean, are you seeing an uptick in people going to your website and engaging with you through digital channels than before? We're working on it. Actually, it's one of the projects that accelerates. It's about how we are going to have that connection. And it's a project that is in progress right now and it's ongoing. So yes, also in terms of uh, ritual practices, we are implementing half those virtual connections with our clients and the experience that the client continue be connected to our world, our universe. And they can do it, you know, through the store. That client advisor could be also known what is the client uh, desire from the creating the appointments, creating the in-store moments, giving the service of not necessary then, talking about personalization, not necessary has to be in the store, but that the client advisor go to our uh, client's home if it's necessary mm. to work as a stylist. So we open, you know, the diagram in order that we give the experience to our clients in, you know, 360 vision. So that's interesting. Was that something Armani offered prior to the pandemic as sending stylists to customers home? Or is that something that is a bit newer? Well, we used to do as many other brands, of course, it's a practice of uh, consignment sending the product. But now in order to, I think one of the things also changed to COVID is the more human connection with our clients. So our conversations during the lockdown went beyond the product. You know, it was no moment to do a business. It was a moment to be with your clients. It was a moment that is like, okay, I support you in this moment. Whatever you need, our money is with you. So through that, I think the connections went uh, stronger than in the past that now is giving us the opportunity to open that door and go into more intimate way to work with them and closer. As highlighted by today's guest, the luxury sector is changing from unique partnerships and e-commerce adoption to shifting consumer values and a need for real human connection. There's no question that luxury is in a state of transformation. And while legacy brands and new players compete for their customers' loyalty, Amazon is looking to shake up this sector with its luxury shopping platform launched at the start of fall 2020. We asked Eleanor, FX, and Fabiola their take on Amazon's move into the luxury space. 
Eleanor, I'm so curious to hear what you think about Amazon's new luxury section. Do you see big brands signing up to use Amazon's platform to sell their products? I feel like we will know soon because Oscar is an incredible brand. One of my favorites, actually. And the way that luxury works is like we all kind of walk in the same general direction. So I think that we'll see. Either Amazon has, you know, a list of brands already committed up their sleeve, ready to go, and they'll just roll out brand by brand by brand by brand over the next few months. And then there might be a little bit of FOMO that everyone kind of needs to get on board. Or we're going to see Oscar and then we're going to see, you know, maybe one other brand and then no uptick, you know, of users and shopping. And then suddenly no one's going to do it. I actually was thinking about this this morning because I was reading about this and I have always been quite anti the, not anti, but a little bit of a disbeliever of how Amazon, you know, could do luxury. And I want to say a few things. First of all, I might be completely wrong. And then jokes on me, we'll talk about this in a couple months and then ha ha ha, Eleanor, completely wrong. I think what led me to that thought was looking at, and this again, looking at the culture of Amazon based on all the people that I know who work there and seeing it more as kind of like a consultant mindset, go, go, go. Does it work? Does it not move forward? And and that's not the mentality of how luxury works. So I would say that in terms of them becoming like a luxury, like, I don't know, hub, I would see it quite difficult. So Eleanor seems a bit skeptical that other high-end brands will be eager to sign on with Amazon right away. FX, what's your take on Amazon's move into luxury? Should luxury brands consider using Amazon as a platform to sell their products? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, first, Jeff Bezos is a UN customer. He has a Ulysse Nardin and all the dual time. It's one of our watches. So I would start and say that uh, Jeff Bezos is not only uh, a digital genius, he also has good taste. Uh, <laughs> I would just say that brands must be careful with entering into Amazon because if you are a very strong, powerful brand, you can operate a vertical model. You know, you can control all your distribution, all your production, and you also control your own customer base because you go to a store, it's an experience for your, to have a warranty, you give your data in order to be a VIP in a luxury store, you give your data. So the very big brands, they control everything. While Amazon has a different model, they want to control the data. They want to control the people. They want to know who the customers are, and they may not share with you, if you're a brand, who are your customers in all the details you can get by yourself. So here, I'll be careful if I'm a luxury brand, especially if I'm already very, very strong, because you may lose touch with your customers. This is luxury is more an experience than a product. So mm-hmm. you better be careful with what is the experience that Amazon can provide versus what you can provide by yourself having your own website, your own stores, and as I said, engaging yourself with your customers. FX warned luxury brands to be careful if considering working with Amazon as brands will lose access to key customer data. Fabiola, in the past, luxury brands were a little hesitant to come online in a big way. And because, as you mentioned earlier, the luxury experience is all about personal connection, do you think that a lot of luxury brands will catch on to the Amazon platform? Well, I'm not surprised that uh, I think it was a, a channel that Amazon sooner or later has to explore to go to luxury. 
maybe the brands uh, were hesitant because the audience definitely they have the infrastructure. They have, you know, any brand, if you partner with Amazon, with the, it's gigantic. So they have the windows and we have to be exposed. I think, uh, again, uh, what we experienced through this uh, transition period is that that was the need, like, oh, we are here. And there were many brands that is like, oh, even that I have a website, but not necessarily was e-commerce, right? So Amazon is giving that the opportunity to make it fast, make it quick. I mean, one of the best examples was Oscar. I know Oscar, you know, a little bit about uh, insights. It was a great opportunity that Oscar uh, grabbed. So if I say that, you know, it's happening and normally happen, yes, they can do it. Now, the, the thing is how Amazon is going to be having the right talent because if it's going to be only a third party that connect, like first connect the client to the brand, then that is very simple, very easy. But if it's a service that they are going to be managing the experience with the client, Amazon needs to go also to the next level. I get your point. Sometimes when you've been building a community, you know, in the mass production as Amazon, maybe the luxury client hesitate a little bit about like mm, if it's going to be, you know, but I think the way that uh, they start uh, launching this with Oscar, it can give, you know, the trust to that luxury client. So it's about building the trust. How mm-hmm. soon is going to happen? That I, I I'm not sure, but I think it's a good venue or it's a good opportunity, especially for smaller brands in luxury, that they need that infrastructure in order to make the things happen very quickly. On today's episode, we heard from Francois Avier Oche, Eleanor Noble, and Fabiola Velarde. We covered the changing luxury consumer and the opportunities and obstacles facing this sector as shoppers increasingly move online. I want to thank today's guests for taking the time to chat with me. On our next episode, we will focus on the rising trend of sustainable and ethical retail, including real-life examples from some of the luxury retail executives I interviewed, and whether or not the luxury sector can rise to the challenge. Thanks for tuning in. Rethink Retail Luxury was brought to you by Rethink Retail in collaboration with Baltech. Hosted by Julia Raymond Hare, written and produced by Gabriella Bach, edited by Trenton Waller, social media and marketing by Natalie Arana.